Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that showcases fiber artists from around the world. You're listening to episode 26, and this week I spoke to Shannon Downey of Badass Cross Stitch. Shannon is a subversive cross stitcher and a weaver based in Chicago. We cover some really incredible topics in this episode. Shannon explains how she sees her role in craftivism and the role of craftivism at large. She walks me through her process of creating feminist war flags and tells us about a project on gun violence that prompted her to create an incredible fundraiser for an arts therapy project in Chicago. It also happens to be the one year anniversary of the Close Knit podcast, and I'm really stoked to be able to share this chat that Shannon and I had with you. I'm so grateful to get to speak to folks like Shannon, and I'm hopeful that the Close Knit podcast can continue to grow to be a space that is safe and inclusive for important conversations about the intersection of social justice and craft. Listen on for our whole chat. Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to take a moment to thank this week's episode sponsor, Phaedra Clothing. Phaedra Clothing seeks a balance between elegance of form and functionality. The collection is inspired by Japanese and Scandinavian design, which combines attention to detail with practical everyday wear. To Phaedra, a garment is a narrative, a piece that changes over time. The linen becomes softer and more supple, the colors lighten subtly, a piece becomes imbued with memories, signifying a long and happy relationship between garment and wearer. You can find Phaedra clothing on Etsy, it's spelled P-H-A-E-D-R-A, and on Instagram as Phaedra clothing. Thanks again to Phaedra for sponsoring this episode of the Close Knit Podcast. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Shannon Downey of Badass Cross Stitch. Hey, Shannon. Hey. How are you going? Uh, it's going great. Thanks for having me on here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. Very excited. I'm going to jump straight in and ask you what your fiber of choice is and what sort of craft medium you gravitate towards the most. Oh, my goodness. Those are really strong first questions. Um, uh, I mean, weaving and embroidery are my jams. Um, That's what I spend the most time on. And um, fiber of choice. Wow, nobody's ever asked me that. Mm. That's great. Um, You know, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with... um, I just got some... Have you used habu textiles oh only Th- ever seen brand. it i've only ever seen it yeah oh my god yeah. i just like went buck wild on their website and they <laughs> the, whatever they just sent me is like um it's uh like a thin metal like wrapped in wool what so that it, yeah so that you but it's like super pliable right it feels like almost a, a regular wool Whoa. but after you weave with it it you can hold shape with it because it has this like tiny metal core. It's kind of the coolest thing I've ever used. It's literally so, blowing my right, mind. Right, right now I'm crushing on that super hard. <laughs> okay, so that sounds okay. I went to this fiber arts retreat, you know, as you do, uh, <laughs> as one does, <laughs> exactly. Uh, recently, and they were doing like spinning with wire, and I think that they were basically mm. doing. It's called like core spinning, as I understand it, mm. where like the wire goes through it and then you basically have the wool at like a 45 degree angle and you're sort of mm. wrapping it around, like coiling it around a bunch of times so that you have this wire that's been like coated in wool. But it was a, it was a thicker wire, like they were hand spinning it onto it, sure, you know, sure. using their spinning wheel. But wow. So it's like, it's yeah. like a regular old like worsted weight yarn and there's just metal through it's- it. 
it's and it's so thin it's so thin it's so sexy <laughs> like matt and the colors are spectacular so of i'm course. working with like a burnt orange and a um turquoise oh yeah. it's so good so what are you doing with it what what sort of like shapes are you creating well, I haven't taken it off the loom yet, so I'm oh. not doing any shapey shapey with it yet. But yeah. there was a there was a sample that I was um, messing around with, and and like it doesn't hold anything, um, like it doesn't hold a shape incredibly. Um, yeah. You would like put it on the wall, and you can manipulate it a bit so that it's got like texture and wave and depth. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty rad. That is so cool. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's I know, like, how that's the jam. A hundred percent the most interesting fiber that anyone has ever mentioned as their <gasps> fiber of choice. So oh my God. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so honored. <laughs> as you should. As I should, clearly. Um, when did you learn to weave? Um, I only learned to weave maybe four years ago. Um, so my yeah. my grandmother was a master weaver in the um, the Lowell Mills. For her entire life, so when she, thirteen to seventy, she she worked in the Lowell Mills, which was like the first industrial um, space that women were allowed to work in, and and that women dominated. Wow. Um, and so she was a Lowell Mill girl, and I grew and my she met my grandfather in the mill. He worked there as a pin setter, and so my my mom and and my aunt grew up in the mill and. Um, and so for some reason, like, I, I f- like, forgot this huge family fact, right? Even though it was such mm. a part of my life. Um, and then I, I was embroidering a lot. And, um, you know, once I was on Instagram and I'm like, oh, my God, I also need to learn how to do this. And I have to learn how to do this. And now I have to learn how to do this. Uh, all this, day, like, yep. yeah, all this, like, amazing weaving stuff came up. And I'm like, I need to see if I can find out how to weave, like, I know that I need to go somewhere and learn this though, because this is not the kind of like, uh, I can learn a lot from YouTube. I can learn, like I can teach myself a lot, but weaving felt like something that I really, I wanted to do like floor loom weaving. Um, yeah. And Chicago, oddly enough, has the coolest place on the planet called the Chicago Weaving School. Oh. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And I found yeah, yeah, out about yeah. it no, and my- I was like, um, holy shit, I have to be going there. And so yes. I, I bought a whole bunch of lessons. And, and now I, I go once a week for five hours every time. Oh, wow. um, and oh, it's, wow. it's like the coolest community ever. And it's just all of these incredible women who have been weaving their entire lives who do these inc- incredible, th- incredible things. And it's so mm. funny because I'll walk in and, yeah, I... I I tend to be on the youngish side of everybody there. And um, they'll be yeah. spending, you know, 40 hours on something that's on this giant eight shaft, beautiful floor loom. And and I'll be like, what are you going to do with that? It's spectacular. I can't believe how good this is. And they're like, oh, it's just a rug. Like, I'm just going to throw it in my bathroom. And I'm like, ah, what? <laughs> and so they just laugh at me because they're like, yeah. Shannon only makes wall art <laughs> like I only make art because this takes forever like I'm not gonna throw it on yeah. the floor and let people walk on it sorry uh-uh yeah 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 exactly 
on my bathroom and then it's going to get all moldy. And yeah, mm, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like 80 hours later, that shit's going on a wall in a gallery. <laughs> Whether it's absolutely. good or not, I don't care. <laughs> absolutely. I wonder actually if there is a little bit, maybe this is an assumption that I'm making, but I wonder if there's a gen, like a generational thing happening there with practical use yeah. versus art use, totally. like fiber art as a concept only really being a thing very recently, mm-hmm. like people of an older generation learning to knit and to crochet and embroider and things like that was very much like a skill, a practical skill for creating clothing and clothing their family and and things like that, like mm-hmm. sort of, I don't know, back in the day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but that now it's a little bit more of like we have, I don't know, we have free time. Is that the right way to say it? We have like <laughs> the time to be able to. Uh... Yeah, or we're, we're making it. We're making it. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Like, I don't mean to say that like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that had the potential to be a very rude thing to say about fiber art. <laughs> but I guess I just mean that like maybe there's a generational thing of like it was very much utilitarian. Um, yeah, yeah. And now that maybe it's not anymore in their lives or doesn't have to be, sure. but they still see it as being utilitarian, mm-hmm. even though like you could it's there's just as much um, value and worth mm-hmm. with creating something that is going to go onto a wall or something. And also how the creating something that's going to go onto a wall changes the changes it so much like yeah. the, the cost and the way it's viewed and whether yeah. it's viewed as art or you know it's just so yeah I guess that's a pretty late like a loaded question <laughs> well it's all right we can do loaded questions here <laughs> there's safe space to talk about all of these things that's my main main goal with the podcast um <laughs> Quick side note: Yeah, a previous podcast uh, guest, Sky Carter, who was oh, like episode I love her. Well, ten or no, something. You yeah. Have, do you? Okay. Here's the story of me and okay. Sky Carter. <laughs> so, oh, good. Tell me. So I go to the weaving school on my usual day, and I notice that there's like, you know, this new person there who like everybody seems to love, and I'm like, where did she come from? And so I go over and and, and I'm like, oh, and you have an accent. Okay. What's the story? What's going on here? And she's like, oh, I'm on holiday and I'm just here and weaving school. And I had to like following you on Instagram forever and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's amazing and awesome. And then I go back to what I'm doing. And then, but then I see she's got some like super cool shit going on on her loom. And I'm like, um how'd you do that? And so then she's, you know, and I'm like, so I'm just, I'm going to rip you off now if you don't mind, because I want to try that thing right there. And she's like, oh yeah. And here's some, you know, metal you can use for it. And so then we're sharing and it's cool. And then the next time I come back and, um, I was talking about something and, and some, oh, the, the end gun violence show. And somebody said, oh yeah, badass cross stitch. And she goes, why are we talking about badass cross stitch? And, and they were like, well, that's Shannon. And she's like, shut up. I've been following you on Instagram forever. And I was like, shut up. And then we had this amazing <laughs> moment of like, wait, what? And so we've been following each other and friends on Instagram, like, you know, for a year or two. And then suddenly, unbeknownst, yeah. we're sitting in the Chicago Weaving School together, like, shooting the shit. It was hysterical. Yeah. She's I amazing. I when that happens. Yeah. 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 No, she really is. And she's doing some really cool stuff right now. It's, um, I just love when that thing happens yeah. of like, 
<laughs> like I've had this moment where I've introduced myself to someone and I'm like, hey, remember me? Like we met in person one time a long time ago. And then they're like, I'm not sure who you are. I'm like, I'm Ani. And they're like, still not sure. And I'm like, I'm close knit. And they're like, oh, yeah, close knit. <laughs> I remember you now. And I'm like, oh my God. Dude, my like, no name is not as important my as name. my <laughs> No, no one knows my name. They're all like, Shannon who? And then yeah. somebody will be like, badass crossfit. Oh, badass crossfit. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that's kind of awesome. Like, I don't need to be known as yeah. Shannon. Call me badass crossfit anytime you want. That's your <laughs> name now. Yes. So I'm going to refer to you as just what was it bc badass cross stitch no i love that i was excited when you said chicago weaving school because i was like i know what the chicago weaving school is because sky was there that's sick i love that you're doing that i love that you have five hours a week too yeah like just one session is that fatiguing or is that awesome it depends on the day um yeah i am working on so prior to the series that i just started I have been working on um, just like big threads and like weird ribbons and metal and cool shit. I just wanted to like, and I, and it moved real quick and everything was real like experimental and messy. And so I was like, weaving's the best. It's like a meditation. And then um, I had this idea and I decided I was going to make a series of feminist war flags. So I I am, so I'm actually weaving the war flags uh, and then I will gold work embroider on top of them. And then I have someone who's teaching me how to hand forge so I can make the iron armature for them to, to carry. I know. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not going to put them on some shit from Home Depot. I need to learn how to, like, bang some metal. So, <laughs> so that's happening. Wow. But yeah. when I went to Natalie, who's the, um, the woman who runs the Chicago Weaving School, and I was like, all right, look, here's what I want to do. I understand Mm. that this is going to be very different and very structured and very like trained because I want them to look like, like Royal silk, like beautiful, like really intricate pieces of Royal fabric textile. And she was like, Oh, you're going to hate this. This is going to be great. (laughs) And so I started doing this, um, like tabby weft overshot, highly structured like red and gold silk like nonsense and it's phenomenal but it was um I I had 640 ends I had to dress onto this loom and that was just for the the first one and so the first one actually didn't feel that painful because it was super new and I was I had to pay so much attention Mm. and and whatever else and so for the second one I wanted to make my own pattern and so I, I made my own pattern for it, and I used um, a, a much thinner warp thread, which was just the worst idea ever because it keeps, like, it kept breaking. Oh, no. And so I, I was just, like, every day I was just, like, I don't even want to go in there today. I don't even want to go in there today because, of, you know, because they're taking me 40 hours mm. per piece. And so the, the last time I went in, there, you know, all the ladies were, it was a super busy day. And, and I was like, Natalie, I have to be done today. And she's like, okay, why? What's up? And I'm like, I hate it. I can't deal with it anymore. I want it off my freaking loom. This can't, yeah. like I can't. So I, I ended up being able to finish that one and I made smarter decisions for this next one. Um, mm. But, but yeah, right now it's feeling like a lesson in patience and focus in a way that, mm. um, 
before it was a, like a lesson in experimentation and like weirdness and texture and fun. And, and now it's like a very disciplined, it's, it's very on me. Um, mm. but which is why I'm part of why I'm doing it, but also because I, I, I can see the end product and I can see the end art and I can see, and it's never felt more important to me to do something like that. Um, mm. and, and then, you know, like when the election results came in, I was just like, I have to go to the weaving school tomorrow. I have to, like, yeah. I need to finish this series. I need to like get into something right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a um, plan for for them, like what you want to do with them, where you want them to be seen, how you want to mm. use them, kind of? Well, I didn't um, when I started making them, but I've been talking about mm. them to folks who are, you know, interested. Um, and I was recently at the University of Wisconsin and doing like a guest lecture and demo stuff. Um, mm. And the they were like, so what are you working on now? And I started talking about the flags and they were like, oh, they have to be at our gallery. Like you have to have a, you know, you have to have a gallery show. And so then I was like, oh, a gallery show. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, mm. But then when the election happened and now um, with the marches that are planned, I, uh, I am slated to, I am like, I am marching. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, so I reached out to the organizers in Chicago and I was like, look, I'm going to have these war flags. Like I want to, I want to kick off the march with them. I've got ladies to carry them. We're in. And, and so they're very pleased with that. So I'm hoping what I, what I see now is that I want them to be an active piece of that march mm. and then they can, mm. well, so then I, so now my next vision of them is that they leave there and they are a gal, you know, a gallery piece, but I, I am about to, organize and start my next craftivism project and so I see like the background you know the whole gallery filled with this these craftivism pieces and and those sort of being the the launching point for them I guess yeah but um you saying that just gave me the biggest like shiver down my spine just the biggest like oh yes like that is exactly where they are supposed to be right it feels that that way Oh, completely. But like no completely. vision for this before I started making them. I was just no. like, ah, feminist war flags must happen. Yeah. And now it's like, and how, yeah. oh, it's it's been foretold. <laughs> yeah, I know. But kind of super beautiful and amazing mm-hmm. that like you just needed to like the, the thing that welled up inside you from everything that's going on in the world mm-hmm. was that these needed to happen. And it's just it just seems so powerful. Yeah. Wow. Well, they yeah. have been powerful to work on. So. I hope they're yeah. powerful, you know, visually as well. Mm. Um, so I have a two-pronged question, and it's about how cross-stitch and embroidery came into your life, yeah. but then also maybe how you can talk us through kind of craftivism as you see it, and then how embroidery and cross-stitch and stuff kind of like became what, I, what I've seen mm-hmm. of your work as like a vessel for craftivism and a vessel for messages that you want to tell. Yeah. Um, well, I learned to cross stitch in fifth grade from my fifth grade teacher. And, mm. you know, I remember her teaching us and I had to make like a pink bunny. And I remember <laughs> making it and being like, this is so stupid. Like, what the hell am I going to do with a pink bunny? Um, yeah. But I enjoyed the process <laughs> and I enjoyed the art of it because I've always felt artistic 
But like my brother is like a phenomenal, like a ridiculously phenomenal artist, like full scholarship to art college and like his painting and his, oh, he's so good. He's so talented. Mm. And Mm. so that was my understanding of what an artist was. And so the minute that I started like stitching, I was like, well, this is craft, but I'm really good at this and this feels good. Um, And so that's when I started to think like, oh, maybe there's some artistic skills in me too. Um, But but the second piece that I cross-stitched said, like, if you sprinkle while you tinkle, you better wipe it up. And like, you know, had a little (laughs) toilet. (laughs) And I was just like, maybe cross-stitch could be entertaining and funny. Um, And so everything I did after that was entertaining or funny, but like kid style. Um, Yeah. And then, and then I totally stopped doing it um, forever. And then (laughs) maybe five or six years ago, it might've been a little further than that. Um, I was on Etsy shopping for something and I saw a cross stitch pattern of Star Trek and like, I am the world's biggest Star Trek geek, (laughs) literally. And, and so I was like, Oh my God, I could totally cross stitch a Captain Picard right now this is brilliant. I need to do something like I need an outlet right now because I'm so, I own a digital marketing company. Like all I was doing was typing and connecting and being on social media and like looking at devices all the time. And I was so burnt out. I had no creative juice left. I was miserable. Yeah. And, and I was miserable to the point where I was like, I need to shut this company down because this is like, I can't, Mm. I can't, I can't be connected 24 seven and that's what my clients need. So yeah. I find this stupid pattern. I'm sorry. It's not stupid. It's adorable, but it's so silly that that's the thing that sparks this. Um, and I, I downloaded it and I like went to Joanne fabrics and I got all the stuff and I was like, I think I remember how to do this. And I stitched yeah. a little Captain Picard and, and I, I, I was like, wow, I feel amazing right now. Like I just, did something with my hands and mm-hmm. my eyes don't hurt. And the next day I was like, I just had a creative idea. Like, where did that come from? I haven't had a creative idea in, in months. And yeah. so I, that's when I really started thinking about digital analog balance and like, you know, my, my master's mm. is in, in leisure theory. So I live in a space where I'm always thinking about work-life balance and, and what does that mean? Yeah. And, you know, how do we handle that culturally? And, and then suddenly this was like a spark of like work-life balance is like not even a thing anymore because there just isn't like we don't have the, the lines are so blurred at this point. I'm like, what we really should be talking about is digital analog balance. And mm. so that's what sparked me on the whole, like, I'm going to start this blog. And at that point it was, you know, just a Tumblr blog where I'm going to try to encourage people to like stitch with me and like do something that is not device related, um, which, yeah. you know, ironically, I connected with everybody through Instagram and Tumblr and whatever else. But, yeah, but, but yeah, the point was, you know, we're going to do this together uh, separately yeah. and then we can come back and report. Um, mm, mm. And so that's when I really started doing a ton of, of cross stitch and then embroidery and, what I, what I, I did the year of stitch in 2015 where I, I once a week for the whole year, I taught a new embroidery stitch, but that was because I Mm. wanted to learn new embroidery stitches. And I thought, well, if I'm doing this for myself, I might as well like 
bring everybody in. And so, you know, 52 stitches later, I was, I put a lot of time in that year to like understanding, learning and, and, um, mastering, I dare say, you know, sort of the, the craft of it. Um, and, and I haven't been able to do anything other than the, the subversive stuff that I do. Um, there's no, like, I, there's no room for ping ponies in my life right now. Like, it's just, it, you know, it I, I feel like embroidery comes from a place of subversiveness. And, and while it was, you know, historically used to teach young girls how, you know, how to be domestic and, and whatnot, like, mm. there, there's an equally strong history of it being used as a political tool. And as a subversive way of communicating and, you know, that you think of the stitch circles and like, you know, some awesome yeah. shit was going on at those stitch circles. And so, yeah. so for me, it's like, well, that's the, the part of the history of the craft and, and the art form that I connect with. And mm. therefore, that's what what I do with it. And I've never like I've never shied away from putting my opinions and beliefs and politics out there. And mm. I, I won't stop doing that. Um, yeah. and, and it's funny because I've had conversations with other folks who are like, well, that might have crossed a line. You're definitely going to like lose followers. And I'm like, oh, girl, I do not give a shit if I like Good. lose followers <laughs> over this. Like, and what, what inevitably uh. happens every time is when I post anything, like, you know, some folks who maybe had seen like my teaching stuff, you know, had followed me and then they see this like, you know, fuck the world message come through or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, unfollow. Um, and so mm. inevitably, like my numbers drop and then they triple, you know, because it's like, well, whatever, the right people are going to find me. Like my my people are out there. Those are the people I want to connect with. Yeah. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think I always have to go back, back with like, sorry, back to the idea that, um, kind of nothing worth doing is gonna, is gonna make everybody happy. Yeah. There's like, no point in trying to, who cares? Yeah. You can't care. If you can't everything care. that I say is that nobody disagrees with it, I probably shouldn't speak yeah. anymore. Yeah. You, well, you wouldn't, <laughs> you couldn't. Yeah. The thing is, is like, I, I, so deeply respect all of the folks that I talk to or that, that even I can like disagree with, right? We can have, mm. if we can have a conversation, even if it's on Instagram about like why this offended yeah. you or, you know, why you disagree with me or what are the politics around this? Like I am totally down to have those conversations. Like yeah. as long as, you know, you're not calling me the devil, which, you know, then you just get blocked because I don't have time for that nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 surely not. No. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's part of why I run the podcast. I'm sure it's part of why you do the work that you do is mm -hmm. to start that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's like bringing this art form or this, whatever it is mm -hmm. into the light so that people can talk about yes. it. Yes. You know, it's like, what else, why else do it? Why else share it? I guess. Exactly. I mean, yeah. There's beauty in sharing for the sake of it, but the conversation is where I, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the money, the money spot right there. Otherwise it's like, Oh great. You like my photo. Yeah. Like, 
cool, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I'm grateful yeah. that you like my photo, but like, you know, uh, yeah. let's let's talk about why you like it. Let's talk about what that spoke to for you. Let's talk about what isn't working for you in this dialogue mm. or discussion or, you know, political climate or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of the work of yours that I've seen has been about gun control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Recently. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I, yeah. I was thinking recently kind of scrolling through your feed and stuff. Yeah. Can you just give, like, can you just tell me about that? Sure. Um, well, I live in Chicago, (laughs) so we have a epidemic. I'm, I'm, Mm. I'm, I can't call it anything less than that, um, of gun violence. Um, and one day in April this past year, I was like, it was right at, I think it was right after one of the mass shootings and it's pathetic mm. that I can't even cite you which one because there have been so many, yeah. but there, it was one of them. And I, I was so overwhelmed that day, um, that I, I decided that the next day I would take note of and log how many times I heard, saw, or read the word gun in a day. Mm. and at the end of the day it was 72 times and I thought to myself like well no shit I'm overwhelmed like it's the only thing that's been you know that's being spoken about and you know rightfully so but it's also really overwhelming and I have like zero personal connections to guns I've never held one I've never shot one I don't come from a family that loves and you know that Like, I'm a vegetarian. I love animals. I don't shoot them. So there's, like, zero reason for me to have any connection to guns. And I I was thinking about how disconnected I am from the the weapon or the tool, but how deeply connected I am to the anger and the frustration and the fear and the, Mm -hmm. the ego that comes, that exists behind the tool in these situations. Yeah. And so I, I, like most things, I processed through stitching. Um, mm. So I, I got home that night and I just, I stitched a gun. And I put it on Instagram and, you know, and then folks were like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Like, I would like to do that too. And I was like, okay, well, I'll make a cross stitch pattern and put it on my website and you, you can just have it and process with me. And then as I started to see the, like, folks were tagging me in their photos of their stitchings and and talking about, actually talking about Mm. their feelings and and how how disempowered they felt to do anything. Um, And that's why stitching the gun was so important to them because they finally felt like, well, at least I'm doing something. And Mm. that's what sparked my idea of, you know, at that point I was just like, well, Maybe people would like send them to me. Maybe I can gather them together and I don't know what the hell I'll do with them, but I'll do something with them. But it would be powerful to see them all together. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, this could be like a craftivism project. And so that that's where it started. And then but I am I'm super um so for me, craftivism for awareness. Mm. makes a lot of sense in a lot of situations but in this situation like we are so hyper aware we are Mm. crazy aware of everything that's happening around gun violence that it it didn't seem like you know craftivism like for awareness made sense to me 
in this way. Yeah. And so I thought yeah. about like, well, how do I take this sort of like craftivism concept to the next level where we're actually like impacting lives and, and taking action in a, in a different, mm. in a different way. And so, um, you know, my, my partner's a glassblower and she has a, a program called Project Fire and they work with young people who have been shot in Chicago or witnessed gun violence in their immediate family or lost people. And they come directly from the hospital. Um, so the partnership is between the hospital and this organization called Healing Hurt People and my, my partner's glassblowing studio. So they come and they learn how to blow glass as art therapy. They also learn yeah. entrepreneurship. And so they learn, like, they get paid to be there and they get, you know, a percentage of everything that they make and sell. And so they're learning all these business skills and they're seeing a different life for themselves. And then in addition to that, they're getting traditional therapy and group therapy and they have caseworkers and, you know, a, like a support system. Yeah. And so I'm watching this happen, you know, and there's only like 10 young people in the program per session and and you know they've run it twice and and it's having phenomenal results and they're just like well but we still have to fund it we still have to find a way to make the next round happen and I'm like well that that's it this is the answer like we are going to gather all these pieces and have a gallery show and sell everything and then we can hope you know hopefully fund your next round of project fire and it was like when I when we when we flipped the dynamic from just like send me your fiber guns to like this is what we're doing, um, then they started pouring in and they were coming they just came mm. in from all over the world and people were like writing the most incredible letters to me and it was so moving and beautiful and like going to my office every day was like Christmas <laughs> because there would just be stacks of like packages in front of my door um mm. and it was it was so incredible and so then you know I talked to to, to Pearl my partner about it and I was like you know I'm gonna do this show I'm gonna find a gallery that will host it and she's like well let's do a collaborative show and and the the, the young people can show their glass and, and talk about their glass. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, of course. Why did I not think of that? Um, yeah. And then, you know, I teach at Columbia College in Chicago. And so they gave me a grant to, to fund the gallery show once they found out what we were doing. So we had yeah. um, over 200 pieces come in from all over the world. And we had the most kick-ass gallery show ever. It was packed from 6 to 11 on the opening night, like just packed. We sold mm. um, opening night, we we took in over $5,000. Um, and so in the end, I think we we, we still have a few pieces that we're, um, we're going to sell, but around $6,000 and, um, you know, can, can keep that program going. And so all of that is to say, you know, it started just with my personal frustration and, and needing to understand or feel like I could do something mm. um, to have any sort of impact around this. And with the ironic part is like halfway through the, the project, I was in bed and like a bullet came through my bedroom window. And it was just like, ah, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> like this just got even more real for me. Um, yeah. because it's, it's just so, it's so devastating. And it, but it's, 
it was interesting to see the the letters and the pieces come in from all over the world with these letters. You know, um, one woman in in the UK, she sent me a piece at the very beginning, and you know, there was no letter or anything. It was just you know a, a piece she had sent that was lovely, and then like mm. three months later. I get another piece from her and and a letter saying that like, you know, the first piece I did, I was just thinking about my, I think she said nephews in Texas and, and like what, what their life is like and what that experience, you know, must be for them. And Mm -hmm. and so it was really just thinking about the other and and thinking about it as an American problem. And then um, Joe Cox was, was murdered and gunned down in, in London. And she's like, and then that happened. And suddenly it was here and suddenly it was personal. And suddenly I realized like, it's not everywhere else. It's, it's everywhere. And, and she's like, so I made this, you know, I felt compelled to make another piece that was, you know, in honor of Joe Cox. And it's just, it was just fascinating to see, um, the stories and the, and the, the reasoning behind people submitting pieces. Mm. Gosh, that must have been powerful to put together. It was unbelievable. Like that opening yeah. night was unreal. It was so unreal. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. I, I was so humbled. And, and I just kept walking around being like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is yeah. happening. And then like more pieces were selling and more pieces were selling. And everybody was like, it was like money was flying everywhere. And I was just like, <laughs> this is the coolest thing yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. We're really doing something. Yeah. And I love that, that, that you kind of had that moment of like, yes, craftivism as a thing to spread awareness Mm -hmm. in some contexts makes a lot of sense, but for you, it was like, okay, but now, now what's the, what's the to do? What's the action from this? Because I, I really, I think this is something I very much struggle with. I think just because I'm quite a like to do Mm -hmm oriented person I just think okay what is the actionable item like what are the outcomes and objectives that we're looking for here yeah (laughs) exactly it's just where my brain goes from work and from school and from whatever but um so sometimes I get really stuck with craftivism and things like that Mm kind of going like yeah I want to do something but then what is what am I actually doing in this Mm -hmm. sorry I totally told you it was gonna happen (laughs) no it's so fine so fine dogs get over here you're embarrassing me come here (laughs) okay I think we're good (laughs) so fine don't worry about it um yeah just the kind of knowing knowing what to do I guess I wanted to ask you about if you could share more craftivism type projects that you've done and what the sort of outcomes have been of those and Mm -hmm. what you've learned along the way doing them yeah well I've only done one and it was that one so um but what I I did learn I I learned a tremendous amount on the way obviously um as, as one would, um, what, I mean, what I like logistically, like way longer lead time than you think people need, right. Mm. But like a hard deadline for them to meet and make sure that you still have a two weeks in between the hard deadline and the moment. Um, but what I think what people responded to the most about this particular project was, that there was a visible outcome that they could yeah. witness and that they could feel like they were a part of because they were, and that um, that they knew had some strength to it and um, mm. would actually impact lives. Um, like, yeah. there's no question. You can see it right here. Like, lives impacted. Um, 
and and yeah. also the sort of like freedom that I, I I didn't put any rules to it other than like send me a fiber based gun like any kind of gun in any fiber art form that you would like in any size in it like I don't care just send them and I'll figure mm. out how to hang them on a wall mm. uh, and so I think people really um, felt good about it but like felt like they could really do something with that um, yeah. but I also provided like a pattern like a cross stitch pattern for folks who were just like but no I cross stitch and I cross stitch off patterns and I was like cool here yeah. <laughs> you know like if that's yeah. what you need I got it for you. But if you want to yeah. go buck wild, go buck wild. Um, mm. And so people were really able to create. Um, and it was that what they created was unreal. I could not, mm. the, every piece that came in, I was just like, I'm not crying today. I'm not crying today. I'm totally <sighs> crying today. <laughs> so, I'm still not crying, I swear. Yeah, yeah like mascara is <laughs> dripping down my face. I'm like, shut up. Something about yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That said, I would. I have. I thought, okay, I'm going to take a. You know, this was a huge endeavor, and this took a lot of my time, and yeah. totally worth it. But like, no joke, tons of time. Um, mm. And so I was like, I'm. I'm going to take a break. You know, maybe just do some more tutorials or something for a little while, and then yeah. the election. <laughs> and I was just like, or not at all. Like, game on. Um, so I actually, this time, I called seven um, stitchers that I know are involved in craftivism and or I just respect the hell out of. And mm. I have a call with them on Saturday. Um, and I send them a list of questions. And I was like, you know, one, are you down? for like collaborating on some epic craftivism project in response to this election. And what are we going to do for the next four years? Here are the questions that I want you thinking about in terms of outcomes and, you know, what are like, how are we going to make this thing happen? And then, Mm. um, and then, you know, as I thought about that, I was like, well, so we're all craftivists, like we're all stitchers, um, Mm. which is, awesome but we also need some different perspectives in here um, especially Mm. for the planning process so I've got um, a lawyer who's joining us and um, a a professional organizer who who is who has been leading the fight against white nationalism for the last 20 years and she just when I said what we were you know like cooking up um, she just had some freaking brilliant ideas of in terms of like how to create impact. Um, yeah. And so what's fascinating is these conversations that started as like, okay, we're going to, you know, stitch some things because ah, Trump. Um, but, mm. but now it's like, oh no, these are going to be like crazy interventions that are going to be happening across the country and like we are galvanizing an army for this and it will hopefully launch on election or inauguration day and like shit is going to it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lengthy commitment and I am so down for that so yeah that's amazing so I have no Um, idea what it's going to look like yet because there's a whole lot of people that are going to be involved in it um but I know it's going to be amazing yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
yeah, I would, I'm hopeful that you can share details with how people can get involved totally. whenever that's available to you. Yes, it will be on my website and my Instagram and awesome. everywhere else. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's wonderful. Cool. Um, can I ask you mm. about other craftivists who exist that we can follow along with? Yeah. Because I feel like that's not something I, I see a lot of popping up in my like social media feed. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah, I'm up. just gonna <laughs> let me just no, that's get perfect, my phone. Because then I can actually like write them down <laughs> yeah. um, properly for the show notes and stuff, which is great. Cool. Oh man, Instagram's blowing up since we last checked in. Hold on, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> that was unexpected. Oh, it's okay. from our indigo dying today. Kids and in indigo Ooh. dying. Everybody loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. All right, Betsy, where are you? Craftivista. Do you know of her? Betsy? Greer. Okay, I'm not sure I do. She, but yeah, okay. She's a dynamo. She's delightful. Okay. And like sort of I would call her the godmother of craftivism. I think she oh, awesome. she's craftivism.com, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm gonna literally write that down. Yeah, please do. Um the Craftivist okay. Collective. So on Instagram they're just craftivists. Um yeah. not just craftivists, they're at craftivists, but you know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. They're just craftivists. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do phenomenal work. Um, Subversive Cross Stitch is going to be a part of this project. Um, uh, Rowdy Corazon, um, which is Thelma. Yeah, cool. She is crazy phenomenal. Um, yeah, Rowdy Corazon. Um, who else is, hold on, there's one more that I want to make sure I mention. Yeah, awesome. Craftivist, where are you? Oh, Craftivist Chai, so Chicago, C-H-I. Um, oh, cool. She is another gem, and she contributed a lot, many pieces to the show, and, and she's a Chicagoan, and, but she's done a lot of different um, Chicago-based projects. Yeah. Um, so her work is, is super rad. And then, oh, you, the other one is um, uh, uh, Gone But Not Forgotten Quilt. Oh, cool. Hold on. Gone But Not... Eh. I regret that I can't find her Instagram right now, but... That's okay. We will, and we'll set it up in the show notes, so we'll make sure it's all in there. And awesome. You Perfect. So everyone can find her. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Um, those are the gals. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing those. I think um have all those other like normal questions that I ask on the podcast, but I feel like that's just, that was what I wanted to hear from you. And I'd love, awesome. if you have anything else that you wanted to add, I'd love to hear that as well. No, I'm, I mean, it's just, I just want to connect with all the people who want to do all the things around, yeah. around using this medium to, um, to create change and just like beautiful stuff because yeah yeah why not right like we need yeah. more beauty in this world so beautiful stuff yeah. peppered with angry activism and positive activism and change and subversiveness and all the all the good things absolutely i'm so with you cool. i think the whole I imagine the whole close-knit podcast listening community. Yay. <laughs> All five of them. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> would be would feel very much the same way. And I, I definitely do. So I'd love to I'd love to keep that 
as kind of an active part of the conversation and Great. of the podcast and blog and, and just com- continue to chat with you. Cool. Yeah. I'm here. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been a joy. You've just listened to episode 26 of the Close Knit Podcast. It also happens to be the one-year anniversary of the Close Knit Podcast, which is completely blowing my mind. Thank you so much for showing up, for listening to the podcast, for helping me make it into a thing that's been going on for a whole year of my life. That's really cool. Um, If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes to help us reach more folks in the fiber arts community. Thanks so much for tuning in. Till next time.